Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. How's it going, everybody? We're back again for another episode of How the Grades Do It. Super excited for our conversation today. We have Caleb Norris. He is head of sales development for HST Pathways. Caleb, appreciate you jumping on with us, man. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. Uh, love everything that y'all are doing with this podcast. So just thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Caleb, man, I'd love to hear a little bit about like what you're up to at HST, and then we'll kind of just take the conversation from there. Yeah, so I am, uh, so I'm head of sales development at HST Pathways. Been doing sales development for um, a little over, uh, I think it's like nine years now, but uh, I, uh, I've i got a team right now of about seven people and uh, we're actively, you know, booking new business within the ASC industry. So for the listeners, ASC stands for Ambulatory Surgical Centers, Outpatient Surgery, um, it is a growing uh, a growing industry within healthcare because you know people find that ASCs are you know more cost effective. It's better for patients. It's better for employees. All that kind of stuff. Declogs our hospital system. So I'm at HST helping uh, spread the good word of uh, the best software in the ASC industry and having a good time. I've got a phenomenal team right now. I'm obsessed with all of them. They're all great people. So we are uh, we're trying to trying to kick butt and take names and. Uh, you know, have a good time while we're at it. I love that, man. That that sounds super exciting. And, you know, just from the conversations that we've had, I know that the team, you know, definitely respects you. And um, so, like, man, I'd love to hear about how'd you get into sales? You know, it's a it's an interesting story. I um, I don't think anybody gets into sales thinking like uh, like I've got to get into sales one day. Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of got into it because uh, I was I was pretty good at talking to people and I knew that um, I, I figured out very early on in my in my life that I can <clears throat> lay out information to people that gets me what I want in a way that other people are just like not that good at. Right. So like, yeah. When my, uh, when my siblings and I wanted to do something growing up, they were like, oh, we've got to have Caleb ask because Caleb will ask in the way that gets the yes and like not the no, right? And so right. Um, I graduated high school and did, did not do well in high school like at all. And uh, I, I had one goal, was not planning on going to college. I later on did and graduated and, and all that was great. But I had one rule for my life and that was, I just don't want to be poor, right? I, I grew up <laughs> poor and I was like, Tyler, if there's yeah. one thing that they're not going to say about Caleb at the end of his life, it's that he was poor. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was like, I had counselors and teachers that were like, you know, college just probably isn't for you. You should just go get a job and, you know, just, just work hard. And a lot of people think like, that's like the, that's terrible advice. I can't believe they would tell you that. I think it's some of the best advice that I ever got because realistically, I, I had such a leg up when I did finish college. You know, I had such a leg up on everybody because I had been in the workforce and I had developed a skill um, pretty, pretty early on. Um, and really it, it stoked my passion for learning and it, it created a lot of empathy within me for, for other people and that kind of stuff. So. I got into sales initially um, at in banking, selling credit cards as a teller. 
Okay. And they gave us, I think if we sold like five credit cards, they gave us like 200 extra dollars at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And, but it was like, it was all capped. And so I was working at the bank during the day, like nine to five. And then I was going over and working at a restaurant from like five to 10 because Remember, there's there was one goal here, and that was I'm sure. not going to be poor. Sure. Right. So, my boss, both of my bosses invested in me very like heavily. Like my boss at the bank was like taking me to lunch every single week, and I'm like 18 year old Caleb, just like eating it up. Like yeah, just, that's great. Yeah. It just gleaning from from all of their you know their experiences, and uh, I ended up getting robbed at that bank, <laughs> and. I was just like, okay, so banking is not for me. Don't want to be in this environment. And at the time, my boss over at the restaurant that I was working at, she was like, hey, why don't you come and do sales like full time for me and go out and source deals and source opportunities for us so that we can get the revenue at our store more consistent, right? And I was like, yeah, sure, okay. And so that's sort of how I got into sales and I think what's gotten me to where I am today is really just prioritizing learning over everything. Um, so I had a lot of people when I was doing well at, in, in the restaurant sales world say like, oh, like you need to jump right now and like you need to go get into something else. You're not getting enough commission. And realistically, I could have made a jump to make more money really early on. And I didn't because I was learning so much. And I, I had such phenomenal mentors that, that trained me and that really invested in my development. And, um, you know, eight, nine years later, I, I really feel like it paid off and it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. Um, and so that's sort of how I got into sales, how I got to where I'm at now. Um, find good people and just cling to them like flypaper. Just d like, yeah, I was probably the most annoying 18, 19 year old in the world because anytime somebody was even willing to invest ever so slightly in is ever so slightly in me, I was like just there with a pen and paper, like ready to like take notes every single yep. time. And um it it was very I mean I, I was very humble and in going into all of this like just wanting to learn. And so um I think one of the things that has kept me interested in sales development and has kept me is uh, my my first official day doing SDR work at for for this restaurant um, company. My boss took me around to every single position, and she took me around to go and talk to some employees in the back of the house that I'd never talked to. I had never been in the restaurant at nine a.m. Mm -hmm. and because uh, it didn't open up until four, uh, and she took me around and she said, "When you do your job well." all of these people live better lives. She was like, we can afford to pay them more money. They get more bonuses. They get more hours to work. And she said, restaurants are a gateway for people to, ex to escape poverty. And she was like, so when you go out and you do your job with excellence, and every time you make an <laughs> uncomfortable cold call or we, I, I used to walk into businesses cold all the time, just trying to develop relationships with people. Sure. And she was like, when you go out there and you make yourself uncomfortable and you perfect this skill and craft, these people are going to be able to save more money to, for that house that they want. These people are going to be able to afford their first car. Like we had a couple 
Um, and I know I'm I'm monologuing here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna calm down. No, you're good, right? Like I think but, it's a great I think it's a great story. I, Keep going. I, we had we had people that would have to take a bus an hour and in, into this restaurant, or they would have to bum rides off of people or or walk sometimes and it would and this would be like a three hour walk for them to get get to work right they were going from one side of town that was you know not the best area to 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 the restaurant right and they had to get there every single day and what was cool was being able to see after after two or three years of being consistent and sourcing revenue and deals seeing this yeah. couple that worked in the kitchen get their first car and they didn't have to bum rides off people or and they didn't have to take the bus anymore because they had a car and my boss basically turning to me and saying you worked really hard and they now like we've increased their pay enough and they've saved enough that they don't have to walk three hours to work ever again yeah there you go a whole yeah, other so. perspective right like and i think as you take that perspective it's it's cool to look at it in a different perspective to say like hey like you're actually doing something really great yeah. Yeah. Man, um that mentality that you had at the very beginning of your career is just like co consistently learning like have you tried to keep that and cuz I think you have and like how how have you been able to keep that cuz I think for a lot of people right like they get super complacent and it's difficult to keep that learning light on. Yeah. So I think in general sales development it's one of those things where and I mean sales in general the principles yeah. are the principles are the principles, right? The principles really don't change over time. Uh, it's the reason why when people, I mean, I have individual SDRs that probably reach out to me um, at least once a week or maybe every other week. And they're like, how have you switched industries like this? And like, like you started off in restaurant sales and then you were in cybersecurity sales and now you're in healthcare sales. How, like, how does this happen? And I, And I'm very honest, it's like, I had great leaders and mentors that taught me the fundamentals sure. of and like the <clears throat> psychology of sales when I very early in my career. So uh, I'm not limited to just being stuck in one industry because of that. I've learned the fundamentals of how to of how to, you know, go out and create and generate revenue. And those fundamentals like have, have really paved everything else the path for everything else that I've been able to do. So I think one of the things that is just essential for everybody in sales is you have to stay up on what is working because I say this all the time, the principles are through and through, they're tried and true. The specifics of how you go about operating that stuff is gonna change year over year. The messaging sure. that worked last year isn't gonna work this year. The, yeah. the same tactics, the same promotions, like people, people catch on, people get used to it. And so staying up to date and relevant and keeping your, your nose to the grind and expecting change. Like a lot of people just don't like change. I, I love change. And I love this idea that throughout our life, I'm going to have a ton of different experiences and the things that I used to believe that were like, oh, the, this is tried and true. This is always going to work. Two years later, oh crap, that doesn't work. And so it keeps yeah. you on your toes and it keeps you fresh. And I, I I, personally love that about sales development and about sales in general, is that there's no room to get complacent. There's yeah. no room to just say, well, I know what I'm doing, so I don't have to I don't have to stay up to date with with what's happening in the market or stuff. Like you've got to go back to the drawing board with sales development every single day. And 
that's what I think keeps me really engaged with it. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's a great point, right? Like as sales development, you're doing the most outreach in the entire company, at least should be right. You're, you have so many touch points, you're getting so many, so much data, right? And so you're really that first point of understanding of what's happening in the market. How is the market responding to different things? Like, you know, how are, you know, prospects, you know, even, uh, wanting to have conversations or wanting to be connected with, right? Like all that's super relevant. Um, I'd love to hear about like, how did you create your approach um, with your teams? Like, and does your approach ever change as you've kind of um, went to different teams along the way and, and, and did coach different SDR organizations? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. My approach has changed. Um, yeah. I think any sales development leader that would, sit down with you and tell you like i just copy and paste the same playbook from org to org it's like it's just it's not a it's it's not a good sign because every every org is 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 unique and all of that kind of stuff so what what i think um in, in general what what i think I, I try to do is i try to think and start with you know what are our actual goals you have to understand that the organization that you're actually at right yeah if you're series a series b you're probably just figuring out who your target audience is right so you've got to set really realistic expectations for for your team you have to set realistic um expectations for even the leaders at your company of what hey what can you expect from sales development i yeah. think uh some of those guiding principles that that i really try and focus on is is people process uh like product how are we talking about the product you know, how are we communicating ideas about the product, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I try to really foster an environment where everybody gets to show up as themselves. And one, one of the key things that I look at when I'm putting together a sales development team is, are the people that I'm hiring like lovers of life, right? Because what I want yeah. is I need motivated people who love their life enough and find enough joy in life that are going to be optimistic. I need those people to come in here for me, work really, really hard and earn, a, earn as much money as they can so that they can go back out and love their life the, the way that they can. So I think, yeah, just... I, I can't disagree with that statement, right? Like I think about all the successful salespeople that I've ever met, right? Like, and they're just happy people, right? Like, and they're, they're a hundred percent authentically, maybe for good or for the bad themselves. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I love it. It, it, it what kills me about sales is that I feel like so many sales leaders are, they attempt to just do this like copy and paste of like, well, you know, have these responses and this should be your attitude and this is what you should do. It's like, yeah. I've got people on my, like one of the number one requirements for if I'm going to extend an offer to somebody, if I want to hire somebody, you have to be a lover of life. You don't have to sound the same. You don't have to be from the same place. I, I've got SDRs in Boston, Georgia, LA, Texas, like, all, and all of them have a different experience. All of them have sure. different things that are culturally relevant to them. I've got people with degrees. I've got people without degrees. I think the most important question that, that I ask in an interview is, and what things do you enjoy doing? What I don't ever want to hear from somebody is, I like hanging out with my friends and family and watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. What I here's what I want to hear. I want to hear 
I got addicted to snowboarding in college and every possible moment where there is snow, a slope and this board, I wanna go out there and I wanna shred the slopes every single time. And guess what? I also suck at it. And every single time I get on the slopes, I'm just trying to get better. I wanna hear that. I wanna hear somebody go off on a tangent about the rare chilies in Southeast Asia that create this, uh, the, the hot sauces because they've got this hot sauce collection that they're passionate about. It's like, I want to hear passion because I know that when you're working with passionate people, it's way easier to move the needle. Even if the deck is stacked against you, it's yeah. easier to move the needle when you're surrounded by people that also have their head in the game of their own life and are willing to have their head in the game at, at your organization too. Yeah. I mean, to that point though, right? Like I think as you go through interview processes is, um, like I can relate to some of my own in interviewing people. Like I try to make people as comfortable as, as I can. Right. Cause I want to see the real them, but yeah. I know that's not how a lot of people interview. Right. And so being able to find that true self and that true happiness in that person, sometimes they're going to be a bit reserved. Um, you know, salespeople are going to have a vibrato about them, at least the good ones. Yeah. Um, but how do you then like, what, what advice would you give to leaders as they're going through the interview process to say like, Maybe you need to change up the way you're interviewing, right? Like, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of our processes, in general, lack lack empathy for individuals. If we're being honest, like you were just saying, like, I, I think my advice to to sales leaders would be, um, put yourself in that person's position, right? Put yourself in that person's shoes and think about what what's their experience like. Because one thing that, that I always try to do from the moment that I screen you to the moment that I hopefully extend an offer to whoever that person is, I want you to have a seamless, a seamless interaction from start to finish. Because I want you to come in with trust for me as a leader, day one. I want you to come in with trust that I'm going to do the right thing as your manager, as the person that is supposed to be leading the charge for sales development. And I also want you to have a general respect for our organization day one. I don't want to sure. build that on the day one of orientation. I want you to know purely by how I'm treating you in this interview, by how I'm communicating to you and setting expectations throughout this interview process, that I take your development very seriously, but I also take what we're doing here at this organization really seriously. So. And when you approach the the hiring process like that, I step in day one to people and I've got I've got a, a pretty laid out two week plan to get people up and ready. Every single one of the, my last 10 hires has booked a qualified meeting within the first 10 business days being outside of being outside of training. And there hasn't been a single person that that hasn't had that success. And people are like, well, how does that happen? On day one, I'm not trying to build trust and respect for me as a leader and for my organization. I start from the moment that I interact with them. If I'm five minutes late to a screening call, I apologize to them and say, I like to be prompt for these things. And I just scheduled yeah. these back to back. And I was five minutes late. Want to express that that's, that's, I try not to operate like that. And I try to be prompt. Apologies there, right? I save a good portion of the interview for what questions do you have for me? Because, and I tell them, yes, I'm interviewing you, but you're also interviewing us. The best candidates yeah. out there, you're crazy if you think that they're just interviewing with you, right? 
this it has to be there has to be mutuality with with how we approach interviews and we have to understand and recognize the value that people have and that those people are worth quality communication making sure that their experience throughout the interview process is great because they're showing up on that day one when i do extend an offer out to them with a built-in trust for the company and me as a leader already and we get traction a lot faster when we show up with those things already established no, I mean, it totally makes sense. And I, I, I can understand why you're doing what you're doing. I love that. And I love the approach, man. So when I think about SDR work, right, like it's really encompassing a lot. And so help me understand, uh, like as you come into an organization that may have an SDR program um, or maybe they are just starting out, like what are some of the fundamental things that you look at, you try to attack first? Uh, for, first things that I, that I try and look at and, uh, and, and go after first is I, I try to, I try to get a lay of the land in terms of, of talent. If I'm joining an org that has an established SDR team, I try to get a feel for, okay, where's everybody's skill set at? Um, where, what's the, where are the bodies buried? What are the things that I shouldn't step in? All that kind of stuff. I try and do, yep. do a lot of intake to understand the people, people best. But I think once that's been done and once that's established, I always start with setting expectations for the team. It's like, like the first meeting after I've met with everybody individually, got to start with setting expectations and saying, Hey, this is what I expect from you. Yeah. Um, and I'm very, I'm very detailed in that. Right. I, that, that's a three page, it's a three page document, 12 point font, uh, Times New Roman <laughs> of bulleted details of this is my expectations of you, right? I go into details about this is what I expect from you on Zoom, right? I prefer cameras on. I'm not going to question it if it's off, right? I'm just going to assume that you're sick or you're having a bad day, but I prefer cameras on. If you're on an external call with people, you need to have a collar on or something like that, right? You need to look professional. There's, I, I get into details like that because when you set expectations that clearly for people, yeah, it cuts out like 90% of the drama of sales development. And if you allow it, sales development will be purely drama. It will be purely <laughs> drama. And so setting expectations very early on and setting those metrics that you're going to be tracking very early on is so essential because then if somebody's not meeting expectations, the conversation shifts. And I, I, I have everybody, when I send out that document of this is my expectations, <laughs> every single person has to respond back to it. And they have like to heard, say, I agreed. I understand every portion of this and I have no questions, right? Yeah. Because my, my conversation becomes, hey, so this is what the expectations, the expectations were uh, laid out for you here back on this date. And you said that you that you understood and you agreed, and now you're not meeting expectations. So help me understand where there, there's a process gap here or where I can maybe clear things up so that you understand that this is not acceptable. And I thought we agreed on this already, but let's just circle yeah. back to this, right? It cuts out so much drama. And that's the first things you have to do when you step into a new org. You've got to figure out, okay, where are the bodies buried? Um, where, where, where is there drama going on? Let's nix all of that and let's get the team hyper-focused on what are we actually trying to accomplish here, right? I like yeah. to have really, really structured meetings. I don't like wasting time. If you're not prepared for a one-on-one, -on -one, if I'm not prepared for a one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to cancel it because yeah. time is the most valuable commodity that we have. So step into an org, 
learn your team, set really clear expectations. And then from there, I start looking at things like, like content. We've got to have the content built out. And I look at SDR process and workflow, right? Yeah. How do I create a workflow and a process for them that keeps them focused and pulls out all of the tedious stuff? Everybody knows, Tyler, that sales development, when it comes down to it, what's most difficult about it, I think, is the tedious, the tedious work. Yep, the absolutely. Yeah, it's the it's the everyday thing. It's how do you follow up with two hundred prospects or maybe in some people case in some people's case way more. How do they follow yep. up with that many prospects in a really effective way? Um, and and it's it's not easy, right? Like you got to yeah. bring personalization to the process, and you have to um figure out how to be the most effective, and especially if you're dealing with more than one persona, right? Like they it just yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it's it's essential to 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 come into an org and and uh, and just make those changes and 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 proceed to you know build off of that and then once the I, I sort of have like phases of an org it's like okay yeah first phase is get everything cleaned up get everybody aligned that second phase is what is there polish all of that up and establish that. And then we go into sort of like a phase three of like, once we have a baseline of this is what the team is executing, we've got content, we've got our processes yeah. in place, you enter sort of this third phase of, okay, now how do we maximize our effectiveness? And how do we empower these people to make sure that they are bought into the mission of this organization and that we can routinely source future talent for the company from the SDR team, right? I think that is people do not, people treat sales development like these people are just expendable. And really, if you're able to bring in talent, consistently train and develop them, and then source them for other roles within your organization, the amount of ROI that sales development has like doubles when you start talking employee retention, aside from what they're able to produce for you in terms of pipeline generation and closed one bookings, you, you maximize ROI when you start talking about retaining them and using them for other roles within your organization. And so phase three is a lot of people don't get to phase three. And so. Yeah, well, what, what yeah. would you say to the, these people, right? Because I've, chat, I've, I've chatted with some people, right? And like, let's say there's not an SMB market, right? For your SDR. And so it's only an enterprise product. SDR is reporting an inter enterprise product. And so is it too much of a, you know, I think almost it almost is a too much of a reach to go from SDR to enterprise product because I would agree with you, right? There's some you you're either doing one of two things, right? You're trying to build a pipeline, or you're you are um trying to build a bench of salespeople. But I think to be able to do that, you have to have some sort of middle ground and somewhere where they can go and play afterwards, um, supporting those enterprise SDRs. It's really a totally different world. Yeah. Yeah. No. What I, do you I think totally there? Agree. I totally agree. I think, especially when you start talking like like a true inter enterprise like product, it, it's really difficult for people to make that transition at an organization to go from SDR, even go from a senior SDR to selling an enterprise grade product. So I, I'm in agreement with you that I think that there has to be some kind of like middle ground where people can consistently, you know, begin to develop those those. Uh, the the skills that that are are more suited for an account executive role, um, and a lot of companies just they 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 don't do that that developing SDRs into being their their next like pool of talent. So 
I, I'm in agreement with you that there needs to be some sort of middle ground for them. And yeah. I, I typically don't want SDRs to be in seats like 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 three years is wild. It's like we've got to get we've got to get people up and out. You know, it's like I think if you can retain SDRs eighteen months to two years, I think you're ahead of ninety percent, ninety five percent of everybody else in the market. But if you can find a way to keep them engaged for longer by having some sort of some sort of uh, you know next steps for them that that are clearly laid out of how you're going to develop them, you, you're setting your sales org up for long term success. Sure. And so, like, I would I would ask I would actually put it back to you, right? Because I think a lot of people have this problem in the marketplace where um, people want to move up and out of a role really quickly. And so, as companies think about like ROI and you know making sure that you know, tying as much value to that position, the longer someone's in a position, right? Like the better ROI that's going to be. Like, how do we, how do then companies or like leaders, right? Like help incentivize people to stay in that role, especially like an SDR role um, for longer. Yeah. So I, I think this is where planning comes in. Um, yeah. You have to have a plan and you have to be really transparent with people, right? So something that's just baked into our SDR playbook is, um, expected timeframes for promotion, right? So you, you spend three quarters of consistently hitting all of your targets. You're eligible. It doesn't mean it's a guaranteed thing, but you're eligible sure. to get moved up the next time that we do uh, a, a, some kind of performance review to go to that SDR2 level, right? That SDR2 level comes with an automatic pay increase. It comes with an automatic next steps into being able to be uh, a team lead or a, a junior AE or something like that. So I think when you are creating your sales development organization and structure, yeah. you have to start off with being realistic and saying the, the average SDR stays in seat like nine months. Okay. You, you either need a plan for somebody at nine months or you have to keep it in front of them and basically say, hey, this is this is our plan for you. That yeah. in in three consistent quarters, if you're putting out you're you're putting out consistent results for three consistent quarters, you're eligible to move up, right? You you hit me with another three to four quarters of that, you're eligible to move up again, right? Yeah. You have to go into it, you have to keep that in front of them. And I think one of one of the things that we do is that I try to do is I try to understand. Where do, what does everybody want from their life? Where does everybody want to be? And how do I invest in that for them individually? And even if it doesn't, even if it, it's not something that can be utilized internally at the company that I'm at, if they want to go out and do something later on, I still want to develop them to do that because they're going to be so much more dedicated to our organization and to our company when they feel like an investment and development is going into them, right? So I think it starts off with leadership acknowledging um, acknowledging timeframes for how long people are in seat, putting a plan together, being transparent yeah. with your team of, hey, this is when you can expect to move up, right? So nobody's sitting around wondering, oh, hey, I, I wonder if I'll ever get out of this position. Maybe I should go and start applying around other places. They know, hey, I've had two consistent quarters, one more. Yeah. At our next performance review, I can move up. I'm eligible to do that. Um, you're, you're taking the guesswork out of it for them. You're putting their mind at ease. Um, and, and as a as a people person who I just, I can find something to like about just about anybody. Um, I, I have to manage by the metrics and I have to manage by the numbers because I can find an excuse for anybody to make more money and to, to get 
to to have a new role. So I have sure. to manage by the numbers. I have to manage by the metrics. This all goes back to I think setting really clear expectations for your team, both for leadership um, that that you're reporting into, but also both for your team. You know, we have to have transparency within the the actual uh, sales development process. You know. No, no, absolutely. That totally makes sense, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, man, you brought up metrics. Like, how often are you like visiting metrics? How often are you trying to like evaluate those metrics? And I think probably part of it, I, I would expect in your answer is going to be just based off of the amount of work the team is pushing out, right? Yeah. So when I think about metrics, um, I typically I hold SDRs, and this is. Um, I was talking to another SDR manager last week and they're like, oh no, like I do month to month, like quotas and all that kind of stuff. Um, because you're able to, you know, monitor people's progress a lot more. Um, I, I don't think there's a worse idea out there to hold SDRs to, to, to month to month because, um, I've seen it. And if, if you've been in sales, you've seen it too, where it's like somebody has been consistent for one month they get nothing they're consistent another month they might get a little something that third month they're consistent and it's just like the floodgates open and everything like works out for them right so yeah I typically hold people to quarterly metrics um and then i'm checking those weekly um daily almost i review metrics with each individual depending on where they're at if they're a senior SDR and SDR two or something like that, probably going to check those biweekly, biweekly in with them. And that one-on-one -on -one is a lot different, right? It's more of what functionally do you need to be successful for people yep. that are, are more junior for people that are brand new. We're looking at those metrics every single week and I'm providing them with feedback. Um, in terms of the, the team metrics, I review that, you know, weekly with my, with my manager, my boss, he's the, the, the CRO. And so um, I, I think, ultimately as SDRs, as people in sales, like the, the numbers are our job, right? Like that's, that's how we get paid. That's like, that's what we're doing here. So we have to keep, um, you know, pipeline generation, those closed one bookings numbers, those conversion rates, we have to keep those at the forefront of our mind. Um, we have to make sure that we're in alignment with the rest of the revenue or with marketing, all of that kind of stuff. And I do that pretty much on a, on a weekly basis with the other revenue leaders. Um, and then at least on, on a weekly basis with each individual on a biweekly with, with some of them that are, that are a little more, more seasoned. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, are there any leading indicators that you found, especially like I would say in the first three months of somebody's career, like that they're not going to be a good fit for the, for the SDR role? Yes. I, so it's funny because I was about to, I was about to write a LinkedIn post about this today and I, I decided not to because I couldn't get my wording down the way I wanted it to. But I, you oftentimes see two, two types of SDRs, right? And that is, I call it the hunter versus the gatherer. So the okay. gatherer wakes up and they're going to, and they're going to do the exact same activity in a day. They're doing the exact <laughs> same activity. They're at their desk the exact same amount of time. The hunter okay. wakes up and thinks, what's the easiest thing that I can do today to, to maybe find some pipeline or to maybe source a deal, right? The, the hunter goes out and says, I, there's pipeline out there that I have to source today. And it's the difference in the mindset shifts of somebody who is more blase approaching like, 
uh, let me go through and see what's out there. Where's the lowest possible hanging fruit versus the person that sets an expectation for themselves of pipelines out there. And I, all I have to do is go find it. So where does it exist? How do I show up at that person's door? How do I craft my pitch and all that kind of stuff? So it's, it's something that I, that I tell the people all the time where when we review metrics, if your activity's there and we've got the content built out already and your, your other numbers are down, you're in the gatherer mindset. You're in the gatherer mindset. You're not going out and hunting because I have plenty of other examples over here of people who are hunting and are not are not skipping a beat at hitting any of their metrics, right? We have realistic sure. targets. So I think I know within that first 90 days, I know before somebody gets out of training, um, if somebody's gonna be successful or, successful or not. And I, I normally try to be pretty, um, pretty on top of, um, first of all, who we hire, but also if somebody gets into, into training and I'm just like, this is not gonna work out, yeah, I try to try to make that decision pretty quickly because you know it in your gut. A lot of sales, a lot of our decision making happens in our gut. You know, you know if somebody's going to be successful or not. Sure. I mean, in the other sense, right? Like I've had conversations with people, and I'm like, "Hey, this this isn't working out," right? Like, and then they've turned it around. And so, like, what do you, um, what do you think differentiates the person that's like? just never going to get it. And the person that uh, could get it just, just isn't in the, isn't in, in, in the moment. Um, so I think, I think it depends on where they're at in correlation to the organization, right? If your yeah. brand, if you're brand new and you're in that first 90 days, I don't want to be a jerk, but I, I, I'm not a gambling man. And, <laughs> I don't like flipping coins on if people are going to be successful or not, right? If you are within the organization and you have, let's say that you've been there for a year and you've shown, you know, several quarters where it's like, hey, you know how to perform and you've just fallen into a slump. That's when I typically go to that SDR and I have this conversation and say, what what do you want? What do you want from your life? Yeah. And not just your life, but what do you want from this role? Because I'm sensing like you're going through the motions which means that there's something else going on here. And whatever it is, I wanna help figure it out because even aside from this company, I want you to be successful long-term and you're not being successful right now. So whether that is we just need to go back to the drawing board and say, hey, you said that you wanted to be an AE. Is that still true? Yes, it is. Okay, you're not on anybody's radar. You're not, uh, you're not, achieving at a level that's going to get you there. This yeah. is what I need to see from you in order to get there, right? Or sometimes you go to people and you say, what do you want? And they say, honestly, I don't really want this. I appreciate that honesty. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a jerk and like fire you today. I will say this, this is what I need to see from you to keep you. But I, why don't we start working on a plan to work you outside of the organization? Or I can help make intros for you at other places and as long as you agree that this is the output that we can expect from you, yeah. we can work on a plan to transition you outside of the organization and you leave on great terms. I don't like that there's just this sentiment in sales that anytime somebody leaves, like you have to like, there has to be like bad blood. It's like people's sure. lot, people are complex individuals 
And if we're leaders, we don't, we can prevent that process from being as painful as oftentimes it is just by being honest, transparent, and by setting clear expectations. Yeah, no, I, I agree, right? Like, um, I think our, our partners in legal may, may hold us a little bit to a different standard, right? And that's, I think that's part of the reason why, um, we as leaders have to act the way we do sometimes, but I agree, right? Like there can definitely be a lot more um, emotion brought to the process and a little, yeah. maybe just a little bit more understanding. Yeah, <clears throat> agreed, agreed. Um, I'd love to hear about like, uh, you know, how important culture is in, in your SDR department and like what you're doing to, you know, really uh, build that culture and to really continuous improvement. Yeah, I, I think um, I think SDR orgs, um, if you have a process and a system built out, if you have good market fit, if you have a good product fit, um, yeah. all of that kind of stuff, I think the last piece, like when you have all of those things established at an org, and if you don't, then your your time is is spent up trying to get all of that stuff right. You know, yeah. But once you have those things established, I think a good majority of the success within sales development rests on on your culture. And so, what what I try to do a lot is create a a culture of of honesty, authenticity, um, and a culture where everybody is addicted to learning, and is addicted to like applying that learning and always trying to, to, to better themselves. So um, a couple of ways that we do that, I, I throw my, my hat into the SDR ring sometimes and I, I, make, I make cold calls with them just to say, oh yeah, like I, I know we just rolled out with this, this new product and I yeah. actually called, uh, made a couple of calls with this value prop that I helped create for you guys and it sucked. So <laughs> let's go back to the drawing board and let's figure this out. Cause this was my first idea. I threw the best I had at it. Let me get yeah. input from some of the other SDRs that are on my team. Um, so I, I try to make sure that there is this, um, there's continuity in terms of ideas uh, from, from my leadership. I've got some great sales leaders that are around me. So I, I glean from a lot of their ideas, like, Hey, try this. And I also glean a good majority of our content of strategy. I glean from the actual SDRs, a lot of that. And when you, you create this environment where people are comfortable with, Hey, I would really like to try this or, Hey, I think we should adjust this messaging. Um, yeah and you establish a baseline of respect for everybody and you're consistently pushing people and setting those expectations. Um, I think then you, you also have to throw in things like, you know, like remembering birthdays and work anniversaries. And I, sure. I plan, I plan one, one hour event every single month for our team. That's just like SDR fun. We're going to come in and, and do something different every single month. And, yeah. um, and so, so I think culture is driven almost entirely by leadership. Um, and, and when you create a culture where people are both having fun, but they also feel heard yeah. and, and you're consistently showing them empathy and you're also in front of it trying to say, Hey, this is where I'm trying to get you to this SDR two level. And now you're an SDR two. Now, now I want you to be a junior AE. When you're driving that, when people feel a sense of security, and their leadership and they they trust that you have their best interest at heart 
and they're showing up and they're able to find, you know, success, they're a lot more tuned in and a lot more locked in. Culture yeah. has way more to do with how you treat people, with how you communicate people, and with how clear you are with what the expectations are, than having a budget. People are like, well, you know, I don't have any budget for culture. I don't have almost any budget to do the things that, to yeah, do like sure. the fun stuff, you know? I have budget for, for technology and that stuff, but none of the fun stuff that, that like we really do is, is it, like that's not budget driven. That's yeah, all sure. intentional leadership, you know? No, I love, I love that thought. Man, uh, Caleb, this has been fun. I know a ton of people are gonna get a lot out of this. I got one last question for you. Yeah. How do you want people to remember you when you leave this life? Oh gosh. Yeah, man, that's, it's deep. I think about that question just about every day, though. So I, I feel like I have my uh, <laughs> I feel like I have my answer. Um, I, I want to be known as somebody who had courage and somebody that encouraged people because when I look over my life. I think the, 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 the hand that I was dealt in life versus where I'm at right now, it, it's taken a lot of cur courage, even outside of just like, pr pr you know, professionally, but like personally, it takes a yeah. lot of courage to say, this is what I want out of my life. And this is how I'm to be treated. And this is how I'm to, you know, be loved. And this is how I'm going to interact even with my own body and even within myself. Um, it takes a lot of courage. Uh, it, it takes a lot of courage to, 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 I think, to do a lot of things. So at, at the end of my life, I would like to be known as somebody who left every environment better than the way that he found it. Yeah. Somebody that saw people and recognized every single person's individual um, uh, individual value, right? Um, I, I think a, a lot of a lot of times, and I don't want to I don't want to talk too much about about my faith, but I think my faith in, inspires a lot of that. My faith of the, this idea of the image of God in everybody, right? I don't, I want to treat every single person on my team really well because I recognize that we are all fingerprints of this, you know, whatever the being out there is. Yeah. And I don't want to disrespect that image, right? I want to love every single person as best as I can on their terms and as well as I can. And so um, that's what, at the end of my life, I want it to be said that I was an encourager. I want it to be said that I had courage. I want it to be said that I saw the value of people aside from what they could ever even do for me. Sure. And I want it to be said that I was a student, um, a lifelong student of, of, of everything, that I was a learner and that I was somebody that really wanted to um, seek understanding and truth and, uh, and to, to, to treat people and myself really well. I love that. I love that, man. And I know the time that we've spent together, I can definitely feel that from you. So, man, I appreciate you jumping on. This has been a great time. And this is another episode of How the Grades Do It. Yeah, no, Tyler, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be